Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Before we get stuck in to Luke's interview with Matt, um, just to remind you all that the contents of this episode are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any illness or health problem, nor is it intended to replace the advice of your physician. Um, just a reminder as well, the sponsors on the podcast... At the moment, um, we're very privileged to have them all on board. As you are well aware, um, we are now in collaboration with Supplement Needs, who have some incredible products being released on their own Supplement 9 of the next couple of weeks. The kidney and blood pressure stack has just been released, um, and there are several others over the next few months which will be um, released, all being formulated from Dr. Dean, who will be on the podcast relatively soon, within the next week or so, to go through a thyroid special. Um, supplement needs code is simply the muscle mentors, uh, just muscle, the word muscle mentors, all lowercase. Uh, we are now in affiliation with Medichex to get you a nice discount off all of your blood work. Again, same code muscle mentors at checkout, all lowercase. And on the topic of today's guest speaker from Rar Optics, which is without doubt, uh, probably the best quality blue blocking glasses you'll be able to get on the market worldwide currently. Uh, and the most stylish as well for the people that are wearing about, they're going to look like dorks wearing them. Um, again, code Muscle Mentors, all lowercase at checkout will get you another nice discount. Um, so check those all those uh, companies out, guys, if you need any supplement requirements, um, if you need any blood work getting done, or if you're looking to pick up some of the best blue blockers on the market, uh, they are your go-tos. Uh, and without further ado, we will get stuck into today's episode. Welcome guys, welcome back to the Muscle Mentors Podcast. We are here with guest interview number 10 and we are joined by the awesome Matt Maruka who is the owner and founder of Ra Optics, um, the possibly the best blue light blocking glasses company in the world at the moment. And um, the, uh, you know, so it's a pleasure to have him on. He's, he's joining us from Bali and, uh, you know, he's, he's going to talk about some we're going to basically cover some pretty cool stuff today with respect to like melatonin, the power of light, the power of dark, and and how we how we can optimize these areas in our lives using a you know lifestyle strategies, nutritional strategies, supplemental strategies, and things like that. Um, but first things first, Matt, how are you doing? And uh, you know, give yourself a bit of an introduction and tell the people yeah, you're well. I'm doing fantastic. It's funny timing. Like right now, my computer is. Um, set to go to night mode so like we're talking about basically how light affects our body and our our health and everything and i have my computer set so that at night it just starts to get super dark and super red um and so this is like one of the simplest it's actually perfect because it's like so simple um it turns out that when you have like your computer screen at night that's putting out the normal colors that it puts out which include like blue green yellow like the, the full spectrum of colors that are out there um it ends up actually disrupting our sleep and that might seem kind of odd at first to someone who's never heard of the idea before but it actually makes sense when you start to understand that our whole biology was sort of developed in a period where we had every day this flux from light to dark to light to dark and so in like 1879 i think this is the exact year thomas edison created the light bulb so like pretty big invention 
the first time humans could like make our own light emission besides fire and burning, um, you know, besides fire, basically burning wood or kerosene or whatever it was. And then we could start to basically make artificial blue frequencies, which like old fire sources, like fires we would burn for like thousands of years by the campfire or even in our lamps and our candles never really had much of this blue light. And it turns out that when the sun comes up in the morning, it's the blue uh, wavelengths that are part of that sun that talk to these cells in our eyes that they discovered just like 20 years ago. A guy from Spain or Portugal, I think, one of the two, um, basically he, he found that we have these cells in our eyes that be, besides the rods and the cones that people see with, they actually look to just know, is it day or is it night? And they don't absorb the whole range of colors like our, our color vision does. They absorb just a, a tiny band in the blue range. So basically, it's, it's literally like a clock in our eye besides the camera. And so when we have like a bunch of this light at night, it pretty much tells our brain, wake up, wake up, wake up. And then we never get fully into the regeneration state that we're supposed to get into. And even though someone might be like tough, like, oh, I'm, you know, working out, like whatever, I'm strong, I'm mentally strong and all this stuff. If you're basically your basic clock and sleep mechanism is exposed to this uh, sort of disruption, then you could be the toughest guy on the planet, but you're, you're basically trashing yourself because you're never going to be where you really could be if you really regenerated 100% of the way. So that's kind of like super basic introduction to the idea of how light affects our, uh, our body. And there's much more than that, but that's yeah, the start. That was a pretty epic I'm, intro. It's super, super basic to me. Yeah. So what got you started on this whole uh, like crusade to optimize this, this area of people's lives? Yeah, 100%. Um, well, I had to do it first for myself. So like, I, I actually, I like the way you phrased the question because it leads me to say that I'm not even really that interested in optimizing anyone else's life. And that might sound kind of backwards, but what I've learned is that like having started out with the, with the goal of helping other people, like as soon as I learned about this info, I actually, my main goal was to help other people as much as I could, but I never focused on helping myself. So even though I knew all this great information, I wasn't focused enough on, on really trying to apply it on myself to make sure it was actually legit. I was just thinking like, oh, everyone needs this. Um, Cause that's kind of how we're like raised in at least the like West, yeah, the Western society, the United States today to like focus on others, 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 which is good to, to be, you know, like altruistic. Right. But um, I learned kind of a different perspective. I realized that I had to actually be selfish. Like, to, and this was the biggest turning point in my journey was when someone, my mentor, this guy, Dr. Jack Cruz, he, he's taught me a lot of this information. He basically told me when I was really worried at one point and stressing out and it's like, if you focus on yourself, you'll be a gajillion times better for other people than if you just keep trying to, to do this vague thing of helping other people. So like I started taking these ideas, making myself my main priority to get as good as I can. And then even without trying, 
it just started like, let's, let's say rubbing off a little bit. So, but yeah, to, the, the thing that got me just interested in general in, in helping myself with, with the light was when I tried, um, I tried, I tried all these diets basically. Like I like my story a lot because if I just share the steps that I went through, people can kind of logically see like, okay, this happened, that happened, this happened. And then ended up there. It really explains the, uh, the, the, the sequence. And that's why I'm writing a book about it that I'll probably call the light diet. Cause it's like, I went through all these diets and learned that it was not the food diets that ended up working. It's actually a light diet, but to, to put a little bit more explanation into that, cause someone who's hearing this for the first time, is like, what light what diet, the, the, what the fuck, <laughs> you know? Um, so I started and I was trying to fix just headaches and gut issues and allergies I was having. Like when I was actually, I was only 14 years old when I started having these things. Um, so I'm 19 by the way. So that, that helps That's five years ago. I'm, I'm pretty young as far as like this space goes, I, I guess. But, um, I was having serious issues then. And then I went to like regular medical doctors for a couple of years, you know, like my parents, mm. when I was like 12, 13, 14, they took me to the, the allergist, the gastro doc, the, the pediatrician. And for my gut issues, like I was having bad gas bloating every time I would eat. Uh, and if that was my only issue, it might've been something that just like I brushed off to the side because it was like, whatever, can't really do anything except take these drugs. But uh, they told me just to take Tums, like the anti-acid pill, which, which didn't make sense to me because it was so, like, such a basic suggestion for such a complicated seeming issue. And then the, the regular doctor told me to take Advil for my headaches like every single day just to take you know, Advil or aspirin or something, which also just kind of didn't make sense. I was like, why, why don't we try to figure out like, what's actually happening? You know? And then the same thing with the allergist was just like take the allergy medication or something. So immediately I was pretty suspicious of Western medicine. I was like, all right, this really is not like working out for me. It does not make sense. So Western and most people already in like your field, probably like in the workout field, health field, probably have suspicions about Western medicine and know that it's like really just focused on like symptom drug, symptom drug without like any holistic understanding. So then I tried naturopathic stuff because my mom was sort of alternative a little bit. She was like, okay, like we'll go to this dude and he did all these tests and gave me all these herbs. And like, I got a little bit better, but that showed me that that naturopathic stuff it, it could work for some people, but it has its limitations because like it didn't work for me. So if it didn't work for me, even though this guy I went to was like a total expert and 50 years of experience treating people and stuff, then there's got to be some sort of limitation where it works sometimes, but it doesn't work all the time. And it's that, that this limitation is really interesting. Um, and I'll just go on this tangent, kind of skipping ahead. Basically, one of my friends I met with recently, who was like, uh, I mean, he's in his forties. A lot of my friends are way older than me. Uh, they're almost like mentors, I guess. But this dude was telling me that he used to be a triathlete. So this gets really like straight to where you guys are at sort of, I mean, your, your community muscle focused and, you know, fitness focused people. Um, he was triathlete crushing it in his age group, no, nothing like world-class, but pretty good overall. And he was trying to up his game constantly. And then he had some, he met some guy who was like a leading sports basically sports doctor or something in New York city. Uh, I don't know the guy's name, but he met with the dude and the dude was really big into the paleo diet, which is obviously like huge among the health crowds today, especially fitness and stuff. 
and he went on this, this diet and he did all these elimination things and all this stuff. And basically what this sports doc told my friend was like, we can go really far because we understand how by like the, we understand what the biochemical pathways are in the body with health. We understand what they are, but we don't understand what really causes them to happen. Cause there's like a hundred thousand of these reactions in every cell, every second. And so it's like, we know what's going on. But we really, he, he said, we really don't know what's driving it. And so as a result, we can push people pretty far, but they can never move the needle. And this guy was really honest, this doctor, to tell this to my friend like 10, 15 years ago, because usually someone wouldn't, like some guy wouldn't admit in that position that, you know, we could do a lot, but we really don't know how to move the needle. But what I learned is actually the answer for what drives these, these biochemical reactions, aka like all the building, repairing, performing in our body so that we can actually like significantly move the needle. But um, I went from that naturopathic guy, he couldn't move the needle um, in me. And, and another tangent on that that's really interesting is there's, you know, you know like functional medicine doctors today, mm-hmm. like the, that whole idea. So basically I have a friend who, this is actually the story I want to tell, the other one's relevant too, but <laughs> two really interesting ones. So this guy, He's 30. He's a doc, like a new MD. So, you know, he went through his residency, just got his MD, started practicing, and he worked in a, uh, a functional medicine practice for a couple of years. His name's Leland. He lives in Florida. I met him through this health crowd. And basically, he said that he's he, working in this functional clinic. He, he met lots of functional doctors, including the one he worked under. And the thing that was the most shocking to him before he knew what he and I share in common now, which is this understanding about what actually moves the needle, which it turns out is light actually. But um, basically these doctors would give like functional medicine. They do all kinds of like injections and herbs and supplements and diet and stuff. So they would do all these supplements, diet and like even glutathione injections and and all this kinds of stuff. And he said that for people who are like in their fifties and sixties, they grew up living a generally healthy lifestyle you know, whatever, if they did these functional medicine protocols, they would actually see like pretty huge results. Like they would get better, you know, and it would really work and it would last. But then if you took the same protocols in, in someone who was like basically 15, 16 years old, who was having a lot of health problems. And it turns out that was exactly what happened to me. It wouldn't work. And the reason why is because the 50 or 60 year old, they grew up in a healthy environment and they have like a foundation of, of health in their body, let's say like a reserve of health. But when you take a kid and, you know, generally people in that age group often spend a lot of time walking outside, being outdoors when they were younger. Um, but if you take someone who's a younger kid, they, we basically live in a, a lifestyle where all we do is like this on our phone all the time, never get any sunlight, constantly wifiing our brain. Um, and, and also just doing a lot of other, eating crappy food too, doing a lot of stuff that's really bad. So in other words, someone who grew up in a good environment, they can, functional medicine and stuff can work for them. But someone who's, who's let's, let's say their mitochondria, the engine in their cells are trashed from birth basically because of the way they live. It, these functional protocols pretty much never worked 100% of the time, which really started getting me thinking like, hmm. So it isn't all about the food and stuff. but with me after naturopath stuff, 
then I went on to the, uh, the food, the food world. Cause it was like, all right, now my parents definitely can't help me stuff. They doesn't work. The vegetarian diet for a while. I was already on that since I was younger, which was a huge issue for my growth and development, probably accelerated a lot of my problems. I was super pale and skinny, felt like crap all the time. And then also, um, I went into the paleo diet and I felt way better. So I was like, shit, maybe this whole dieting thing can actually work. Like maybe the, the diet focus is, is a really good one. Um, I started eliminating food, eliminating more food, eliminating more food because I wasn't quite getting all my energy levels back. And the thing that was the most interesting was after just a month of feeling fantastic, I started feeling worse and worse and worse and worse. And all the paleo guys are saying, oh, you need to adjust your carb, protein, fat ratio, right? All this stuff. You need to take this supplement, take that supplement, do this, do that. And I was trying all these little suggestions that they make, and none of them were actually moving the needle. So I couldn't figure it out. And I ended up getting really depressed and having like a full eating disorder because I was just constantly switching from this diet to that diet, giving up, eating a bunch of shit. It was really like, fuck, what do I do? I'm like 15 years old. I'm like feel responsible for my health. Like I know I'm the only one who's going to take enough responsibility to figure it out because my parents like don't know what the fuck to do. So um, it was pretty rough. But then I learned about this guy, Dr. Cruz, this guy who's basically being, let's say, very provocative. Some people think he's an asshole, but he was being very, very provocative in the paleo community, coming out and saying at their first paleo FX conference that people who are eating like bananas and fruits in the middle of the winter are basically idiots because even though it doesn't seem like that's a bad idea on first glance, it's a total disconnect from what would be natural. And it actually has a consequence at our cellular level because of that disconnect in the light that's outside versus the light that's stored in the food. And uh, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then he was talking about the cold thermogenesis protocol. So basically taking ice baths, uh, like the Wim Hof method you're probably familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that sounds badass. Like I can get in an ice tub, freeze my balls off and, and actually like burn my own fat and get shredded just by like being in this ice bath and becoming like a superhuman. That sounded so sick. So I was like, that's awesome. So I started doing that and then reading the other shit he was writing. And I was like, Hmm, eating seafood. Cause it, that's what makes our the human brain different from like the ape is that we had a ton of access to seafood, not necessarily meat, but seafood more than anything. Um, I was like, okay. And then, Oh, artificial light at night can disrupt our sleep. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, I should probably walk outside in the morning and look at the sun because that's what turns the brain on for the day. Oh, that kind of makes sense. So I did all of these like five, four or five things. And literally within like four weeks, I felt amazing, like better than I could ever imagine. And then the next springtime, because I was going into winter, the next springtime when I applied all of it like full on. And I really got like better, like my needle just completely like broke. It went so, so far in the right direction. And it basically, it turns out that all of our body, like all the water that makes up our cells is just basically like this big battery because water can store light energy. There's this research that Dr. Cruz led me to reading. And I read these papers and these books. It literally, it's so simple. Like, the missing link in biology that these people have been looking for, like this friend of mine's doctor was looking for is basically shown by some researchers in the last 50, 60 years. But just like all of science, there's always researchers who do good work, 
but their work is misunderstood and kind of ignored. I mean, that happens like pretty often and eventually it comes out, but it is coming out now and the proof is in the pudding. Like I can, I can guarantee you that, but basically, um, turns out the water in our cells isn't just this like solution that holds like is a background molecule for everything to happen. Cause that's what they used to say is that water in our cells, 99% of the, the molecules over our overall in our body is just, just like a background molecule that just hangs out. Turns out that's completely not true. The water in the cells is in this super structured phase. Some people call it the fourth phase of water because that's what the researcher who discovered this calls it. It's like it's very like almost like a crystal, but it's a liquid crystal, like egg yolk. It's not like runny water, even though egg yolk's 99.9% water. It's like viscous. And so it turns out that when water's in that, sh in that form, it can actually hold a ton of, of light energy way more than water in a glass and that's basically what it's like in our cells it isn't just like a liquid in a glass and so the the light energy that's stored in that water is actually the missing link that provides enough energy to power all the reactions in our body that this one researcher from over 50 years ago whose work led to the mri basically calculated to show that atp which you know you guys know atp like the energy currency right that you need when you're working out you need when you're doing anything, even just sitting, um, just to stay alive. This guy calculated, hmm, the amount of energy life actually uses is this, and the amount that ATP provides is like one third or less of that. So that's not possible. There's gotta be something. And it turns out for us and all complex organisms on the surface of the earth and in the oceans, except that, well, even at the bottom, but it's slightly different for them. It turns out that it's light, acting on the water, which provides a ton of energy to actually drive all these reactions. So if someone lives like a fully indoor lifestyle, you're literally operating at like half or like a third of your actual potential. It's pretty cool. So that's like what I got to started going in the sun and I was like, what? And we could talk about why the sun isn't the cause of skin cancer, but that is a very basic introduction, let's say. And it's getting darker. So I'm going to light myself up with my red light. That saying, doesn't disrupt. His rim has gone <laughs> pitch black. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that got dark quick as well. The um, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, sun literally just set. It gets dark fast. And so that's but, uh, that's an awesome intro though, because um, is it do you you know Ryan Carter, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. He's, he's I don't know him personally. Actually, it's hilarious, dude. He's connected me with like great guy. First of all, anyone who doesn't know Ryan Carter, live Vitai on Instagram. Awesome teaching people about like good food versus bad food. But yeah, he just connected us with another guy or me with a dude who's in this town in Bali. And we just went out, had the greatest time yesterday, even though neither of us has actually met the dude in person. It's hilarious. Um, I mean, Ryan, Ryan is the man. And he, um, he connected me with, well, turned me on to Jack's work, Jack Cruz. Then connected me to, nice. um, and uh, but he, he he was the first to kind of start you know clue me in on on the you know the the power of light, and um, yeah, and and it was amazing because then looking into it and you you and it appears as though you know circadian disruption is like the root cause of pretty much most of the world like the health issues that, that I've spoken about and. Um, yeah. uh, but, and it's stuff like me, Cal and I do, you know, we've started giving our clients, you know, we track a lot of data, like health markers with our clients, like a lot. And um, 
we, we when we started looking into this and, and giving our clients actual daylight exposure um, uh, targets for every day, the the amount of improvement that we saw in, in like absolutely was just astounding. And it was stuff where like, before that we we were looking at it from a nutritional standpoint. We'd be like, okay, what have we got to change? What supplements we got to put in? You know what do we got to change with their training and stuff like that and then and it became a lot of the time now it's like you need more daylight and and let's see what happens when that happens you know when that happens dude that's it's amazing yeah it's amazing yeah. and like but it's also i think the the power of people getting some dark as well and it's something i've been doing recently is in the evening like turning lights off so i'm pretty much in the dark and like I track my sleep with an aura ring and since doing that, the improvements in my sleep is, is like, um, like amazing. Both, both in terms of wow. feel, but also like, like I can tangibly see or qualitatively see. Yeah. It's quite, but. yeah. It's sweet. Like the aura guys, actually, I didn't interview the founder or the CEO, I should say of aura. And, uh, one of the things that kind of shocked me was that the blue blocking glasses, like, consistently people's aura score improves you know like i mean obviously it makes sense because i know the glasses make people sleep better from like a chemical perspective and biologic perspective but i guess i was doubting aura and its ability to like be super accurate but when he told me that the ring consistently shows improvement on sleep when people are wearing the glasses i was like damn this really really actually does work mm. um and the ring i mean that so um, the thing, like you said about the, just people getting some daylight and see what happens again to someone who's foreign to these concepts, it, it would make, it would be like, what that, that, that almost doesn't make sense. But, um, to, to put it in a separate way, this sunlight driving our, our biology situation is essentially the best analogy to use is the engine. I give this on every podcast I go on like a car and the engine in the car and the gas and in our body, let's pretend our body's the car, our engine are the mitochondria, these little engines that make literally make our energy. And then the food is our gas. So if you're, if you took a car, you open the hood and you unscrew two or three of the spark plugs. So the pistons can't fire anymore, even with premium gas. So you shut the hood, or let's say someone didn't know that you did this to their car. So you shut the hood, and they go to drive it the next day, and then they got a tank full of premium gas, just filled it up the day before, um, and then they start you know, trying to start the engine. It starts, but it doesn't keep running, or it's blowing black smoke, and they can't move. And they're basically saying, but like, I have full-on premium gas, full tank, and everything. What's wrong? Why can't I move, right? And obviously it's because their engine isn't working the engine's trashed because you took out the spark plugs but the thing is in our body it's actually the same like we have the food we're putting in, then we have the engines that we use to burn the food so if the engines are trashed because we're not sleeping number one or we have artificial light at night so our sleep is bad or we never get any daylight so our sleep is bad and our circadian rhythm is bad then that's essentially how our engines are working. They're, they can't even burn fat properly when we don't have like a higher level of function going on. So that's when I was trying to do the ketogenic diet, going low carb, high fat, and I just felt like absolute trash. Like I just could not even basically do anything. 
and I was asking, well, what's wrong with my food? What's wrong with my gas? Well, it turns out it doesn't make any sense to ask what's wrong with the gas when the engine's broken. So like, that's why it's so cool that you guys are actually coaches. You can actually apply it, see what daylight does to people once they get more of it and then optimize the, uh, the, the gas afterwards. The coolest thing though, is like, if you get someone like Dr. Cruz does this a lot with people, he basically tells his patients or his paying members that they actually need to move because he thinks the sunlight is such a key factor that if someone's really sick, and they live in a place where maybe if they were healthy, they could make it work. But since they're sick, they need way more sunlight to, to get better than, than they could get in their area. Or maybe if they go to Mexico or Bali or whatever with more sun, it might get better in six months to one year to two or three years. But if there's where they are, it might take them 10 years. So that's why he's such a big pusher of that because he believes it really is that important. And my experience shows it is, but, um, if you do get someone to go to that, let's say extreme compared to what most people are going to do, they can actually oftentimes eat literally anything. I mean, not like complete shit food, but like bananas, papaya, fruit, like stuff that normally, you know, people wouldn't really want to eat too much of if you're on like a fully anti-inflammatory diet, you'd probably want to go more carnivore from, from my experience. They can eat this stuff and actually still be getting substantially healthier because it's like the light is sort of more foundational to making everything in the body work. So super interesting. I think, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like it'd be cool to touch on the role of some of the main players from a, a like neurological um, or chemical perspective in terms of like melatonin, because, you know, there's a lot of stuff and like we're talking about the mitochondria, you know, there, there seems to be, and I'm sure you, you know, this, like the, the interaction between melatonin in improving mitochondrial dysfunction. And like, like you've spoken about like the mitochondria and like, you know, Jack with his mitochondriac <laughs> tribes. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah, they're kind of in charge of energy distribution throughout the, throughout cells, you know, energy yeah. motion, regulation of reactive oxygen species apoptosis control hormonal production like the and like the role that melatonin plays in regulating everything from our sleep wake cycle circadian rhythms is like is that something you can speak to in terms of how we yeah totally i couldn't tell you too many of the deep deep details but in like the basic thing i mean anyone can go on pubmed like the journal uh the database of research papers online if someone just looks up pubmed and then looks up melatonin and mitochondria that's where you can get a bunch of articles on any subject and the number of articles about just melatonin and antioxidant, anti-aging effect is pretty astounding. And just from that, it became very clear to me that, okay, it turns out that when we get this darkness that's just happening right now in Bali, um, it's not as dark outside. It's still slightly light out as it probably looks for you guys, not all lit up with red. But, um, but basically, yeah, melatonin it appears is like the molecule that repairs our mitochondria. So basically we, we have daylight exposure in the morning, which actually triggers this hormone cascade, which also triggers the, the creation of melatonin. Like that's the kind of the interesting thing. One of my, uh, my coworkers at raw optics came up with like a cool quote that we put on our Instagram. It was like melatonin, something like melatonin packs its power during the day from the sun and unleashes its fury at night. So it's actually like powered by the sun, 
But then at night when we have darkness is when it's like action can be fully released and, and taken advantage of, which is really cool. Like I just finished reading this sort of textbook about what they call, it was called the influence of ocular light perception on metabolism and man and animal. And dude, this shit is, this book, like, it's actually insane to be honest that, that books like these exist and people don't know about them. And basically in short, this guy showed how light passing through the eye literally affects every single biologic system, not just a little bit, but like a lot. Like, for example, um, the, the biggest way they could test this is on blind people. So, or people with cataracts. So like if someone develops a cataract in their eye, they literally like light can't pass through their eye properly. So what they would do is they would look at certain things in these cataract patients before cataract surgery, then they would remove the cataract and then light could pass through normally. And this is before they would implant a lens that blocked ultraviolet light. So they could basically see like the effect of being blind and then having sight again with light passing through the eyes and how it changed. And literally dude, like, people's hormones would go from being trashed, like blind people, generally speaking, have really, really bad hormone panels, like terrible, absolutely terrible. They would remove their cataracts and everything would normalize. Like there's pictures in the book of dude with like super saggy face because like the water, basically like water um, regulation in the body also is controlled by light coming through the eye. So basically as soon as they removed his cataract, his face went from being all saggy and old. It was like an old man to like super tight, like very, like, you know, very nice. The difference is unbelievable. Um, sexual function, like light alone would, I mean, this is like stuff that you read it. You're like, Oh, that makes sense. Like in, in the seasons coming to summer, all the animals become fertile and they want to fuck and, and reproduce and they're optimally fertile. And then when the winter comes around, they're much less fertile. Um, and it's like these simple things and it, it it was basically like, and they would test it like double blind trials, you know, to make sure it was the light that the, was the variable and not all kinds of other things. And, you know, it's sex, sexual function, metabolic function. Like for example, um, they, there are studies that show that literally just the changing of light intensity or frequency coming through the eye would change things like insulin levels in the blood, carbohydrate metabolism, all this stuff that's like so it just it was like, what the heck? And so I was at this metabolic health summit in LA a few weeks ago, actually, with Rob Wolf, uh, Chris, no, no, Rob Wolf, Mark Sisson, Dominic Diagostino, the big keto paleo guys, and uh, Aubrey Marcus also from Onnit. And I, they had the four of them on a panel, and I asked the question because, like, I knew no one else was going to ask it because everyone else is just like in the food stuff. And I basically asked, like, so are you? familiar with the research of like Fritz Hallwich or blah, 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 on, you know, the effect of light showing that basically just changing the light without changing the food or the environment can absolutely alter the way the body handles carbs, like insulin levels and all this, all these kinds of things. And Rob Wolf, interestingly, after making fun of Dr. Cruz more or less several years ago in the paleo community, actually came and admitted on stage that if he had been able to finish his PowerPoint presentation, cause they only gave him a half hour to talk for some reason. Um, all of those guys, he was going to get to a slide where he basically points, poses the question, which has already been answered by the way, 
but maybe circadian biology is more important for health than food, which is if you understand the history of the situation of them giving Dr. Cruz a hard time after that first paleo conference, it is like hilarious that he came to saying mm-hmm. that. Um, but so yeah, melatonin is, is one of the hormones that this guy talked about in the book that is, is regulated tightly by solar exposure. And when we got more sun in the morning or light exposure, throughout the day would have a higher level of melatonin. And a good example is if you like remember any summer days when you'd go to the beach and you'd be out in the sun with your, uh, with your friends or something and how easy it is to just fall asleep on the beach in the sun, how easy it is to fall asleep that night, just so warm with all the sun absorbing your skin. That's basically the result of this huge melatonin generation. And that is the times when you generally will sleep the best. So yeah, it is, it is pretty fascinating that melatonin does all this stuff and that's how it's controlled. So, so let's say you, you have an individual that for some reason, you know, they're living in a part of the world where, you know, their light exposure is poor and their, their lifestyle is, is not permissive of a lot of light exposure. Do, would you ever recommend the use of like exogenous melatonin? Cause I know like stuff I've read where they've used that as a, you know, pretty good, um, solution or, pretty well-researched solution to like re-entraining the superchiasmatic nucleus to manage everything yeah. blind yeah. subjects and people with jet lag people with shift work and it seems to work well but what's your views on implementing that given that it is synthetic yeah for people who are like maybe for the only time i would ever use it is if i took a flight and i'm jet lagged to just artificially switch my clock over a little bit i could do that but honestly i just set an alarm forced myself to get up at first light so not even just before sunrise, but like first light, a half hour before sunrise. So you could go from dark to light. And pretty much one day of that is almost enough to pretty much shift the rhythm fairly substantially. It's pretty amazing how light works. Like the only reason anyone's ever jet lagged is because they just don't go outside and get any natural light to fix their, their rhythm. And then they're exposed to artificial light at night. Um, if everyone lived outside all day, it'd be like you would adjust within a few days speaking like very well um you might not feel great because the effects of plane travel are still pretty hard but as far as just fixing changing the sleep cycle it, it happens quickly but um i would not recommend people take melatonin exogenously based on what i've learned because the the true benefit of melatonin is when it's powered by solar light and it's just like all other substances just taking it exogenously is a really, really good way to ruin or really damage the internal production systems. So even though it might seem like it's giving an upfront benefit, even for a few months or a year or something, um, long-term, I think the risk is really great. Because if you damage that system of like repairing our engines, it's like having it a car where you're basically making it so you can never ever open the hood again like it can never be taken to a mechanic and never repaired so it's just asking to be completely destroyed sooner than later so that's just one way the other reason i would not recommend it is because dr cruz strongly doesn't recommend it and i couldn't give you all of his reasoning i would recommend people look at that but because of how much stuff he's right about thus far doesn't mean he's right about everything he isn't necessarily but um one could check that out for more information on that. Yes. But again, if you're doing this stuff, you can do pretty well and you, you shouldn't need melatonin. 
But yeah, we can get into some uh, situations that people can consider if they do live in a place where they don't have a lot of light. Do you want to mm. go through some yeah, yeah, ideas? Yeah, cool. I am. Um, it's interesting that you were talking about the the melata- like uh, jet lag and and getting the first light. I have a client who he just he he just came back from a long you know, a business trip in America, and. Um, he he said he never gets issues with jet lag, and I was kind of looking into it. And now that you've, and I was I was trying to figure out why. I was like, oh, it's, it's weird that his body doesn't seem to. But he's one of these guys that gets up at like first light every morning, so he's obviously getting that like benefit just from being exposed to that those wavelengths, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's actually amazing. It's funny. Like Dr. Cruz recommends people get up at a sunrise and get that stimulus from the moment it passes over the horizon and rises. But what I started doing was getting up and surfing because like if for surfers who I think are like the healthiest people on the planet, um, often because, well, they spend a ton of their time just in the water. So they're getting the cooling effect and the grounding effect and the anti-inflammatory effect of being in the water, making basically when we're in water, it's interesting that it like, it basically slows our aging down because when we're out of the water, which is where we originally evolved, there's like more heat generation. Um, which in itself isn't really necessarily a bad thing, but basically when we get into water, it's like keeps everything together. Let's say like there's pressure on the body. Just, it's almost like having a brain. Like if you took a brain from a dead body and keeping it in a freezer versus in in a fridge like it's just gonna like decay faster in the fridge you know and same thing like us being in water versus on land when we're in water we're almost in like sort of a preserved state it's i can't really explain it much better than that but that is like the cold thermogenesis protocol from dr cruz that's basically like one of the basics of it being in water is really good when the water's cold or cool cooler than our body this is even better for for that effect i mean there's also benefits to hot pools and all that stuff too Um, but yeah, so then surfers are in the water while in the sun. So being in the cooled water also allows them to absorb more sun because it's keeping their skin cool. So it's like wind on top of wind on top of wind. They're exercising also creating like a positive stress response, getting super, super strong and everything. And, um, so they get up oftentimes at first light because that's when the waves are often the best and there's really no people out at any break. So you get up at like, 5 30 gets the waves by six just when the light's coming up and then you're surfing for like a full-on half hour before the sun even comes up and you see all the colors which is awesome but after doing that just one day my like even the next night i went out for a friend's birthday partied drank stayed up till 2 a.m because of that day before i got up at first light i was still awake at 6 a.m or 6 30 at basically first light again the next day for the sunrise, like, which I thought was really interesting that it had that effect. So yeah, this is, no one has to get up at first light. I would recommend for people in general, though, if we're talking recommendations, getting up at sun, like just before sunrise and getting that light rising stimulus, especially looking directly at the sun, if you can, uh, for like the first 15 minutes is really huge. If you're in London or somewhere like further North, you can even look at it directly for the first half hour to hour because it doesn't get much UV uh, ultraviolet for, for a while. So it won't even hurt your eye. Um, I mean, you, be, people be careful, you know, don't, don't do anything stupid, but uh, 
But yeah, so the people who live like at a higher latitude, and if you work inside, you really have a, that's like, that's when it gets to the, the question where it's like, what do you really value? Like, do you value the stable career, doing what you've always done? Um, or do you value more potentially getting extra years added to your life or preventing disease? Like if someone lives in Norway or the UK and they work an indoor job, and they've been doing it for a long time, and they're starting to have some health issues popping up, like, you can't really have the best of both worlds. Like, you can't necessarily stick with your the job that you may love, or you may not love it, but, and have, like, the health as if you spent more time in the sun. Because based on what this information reveals, we really benefit a lot when we get more light. So the point is that people kind of have to make a decision. Do you want to basically settle for mediocre health. And if you do, that's fine, but don't kid yourself that that's the choice you're making when you decide to stick with a really indoor based lifestyle, indoor job, you can still do some stuff to hack it, which we can talk about. But if you decide you want to pursue the optimal path, focusing on yourself, the most figuring out how you can at least work from home so you can control your light environment and then maybe even work and and get some time in like a sunnier spot in the winter. Cause again, like the, the whole, the whole idea is if we lived back in time, like, 100 years even or 150 years before artificial light uh modern like wi-fi technology and all the cell phone stuff all the stuff that drains our battery basically we could totally live in england through the winter and be fine because we'd be outside in the cold getting the benefit of cold exposure constantly forcing our body like wim hoff the Iceman does to turn on our internal engines and keep those systems rolling we'd be eating a ton of seafood we'd be eating more natural food fasting a ton of that winter um just surviving like that that just keeps you like alive and vital now we're sitting in heated rooms sitting still eating like as if it's the middle of the summer late in the night we don't have any sunlight behind that we're not fasting we're not doing ketosis we're not out in the cold like we're supposed to be if we are in a really low light winter environment we're not eating a high fat diet which is much more fueling the body in a winter environment like the soups, the stews that we should be, and not all the fruits and the carbs and the sugar, which is what most people are eating all year anyway. So, so basically, like, yeah, you can't really get the best of both worlds. But and and we point of that is that we could have been really successful in higher latitudes like New York, London, Philadelphia, where I'm from in the winter. But in the modern world today, it's a lot, a lot harder to do it, which is why getting some vacations to somewhere with more sun in the winter can be like a huge, huge boost. But, um, but if you work in an office in the winter uh, and, and the summer, you're indoors all the time. Basically the simple answer is like get out in the morning and get as much sun as you can. And if you can go to work later to get more sun, that'd be awesome. Work outside. If you can like try to get, see if you can work from home. Um, Basically like taking your sun break, you know, as your lunch break basically and getting light exposure on your eyes and your skin if possible, if it's not too cold, taking a one hour walk just to get that light stimulus through your eye, opening your window if you can at work. So you can just get full spectrum light through the window. Um, that's like super simple stuff that pretty much anyone can do. But again, it's just figuring out how can you do more of what you do outside? If it's freezing cold, how can you at least take like one to two hours per day to, uh, to get, unfiltered light exposure at least on your eyes from the sun just by walking doing something outside 
And uh, that, that alone can look like a really huge benefit. But keep in mind, if you're sick, if you have mitochondrial disease, that's not going to be enough to reverse it. Maybe the summer you, you'd be better off, but you're going to have to consider bigger moves if you really want to see any improvement. So that's kind of like a good, a good start. Infrared saunas and ice baths can actually do a huge benefit though. And like tanning beds too. One of my friends was asking me recently. Um, pretty sure Dr. Cruz is more of the expert on that specific stuff. He recommends about time, two to three times per week, 20 minutes each for tanning beds if someone decides to do that. Because the evidence actually shows that UV light doesn't cause skin cancer, even though that's what the dermatology industry is just pumping out um, for a long time, the sunscreen industry for obvious reasons. But yeah, so UVA light actually can be really good in the winter mm. from like a tanning bed. That was what Ryan, Ryan Carter mentioned that he does that quite frequently. But, yeah, good, uh, good on him. Yeah, good man. But it's funny because like all the stuff you've just spoken about, in our, we, we, we have a seminar that we teach on optimizing the nervous system and what, and like we, I, had a, I put a bit in it, which I called the big three. And I'd call it, I basically say people need to get more light. They need to be doing grounding and doing meditation in the whole, like the light for like the circadian anchoring effect, the neurotransmitters, the energy efficiency, everything you've just spoken about, and what you mentioned about the surface and grounding. Um, mm -hmm like the, the free electrons that you get from that, but also the exposure to the, the native EMFs that we just don't get a lot of these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. The meditation being a way to just hijack the, the parasympathetic nervous system, get a load of oxygen in, improve uh, like wavelength of the brain and all that function and stuff. But I think the light is interesting because the, the research on all those areas is so concrete. Like, so you, you look at it and it's like, you can't really argue with this stuff, like as much as people would like to. And like, I think the biggest one when, you know, and that, and how easy it is to implement is like the morning daylight, like where it's been shown that as little as 10 to 30 minutes of morning daylight is sufficient for that whole circadian anchoring effect that is kind of underpinning yeah. this whole thing. And people are, oh, I don't have time. It's like, I'm pretty sure you have time to burn the stuff in the grass taking the light 10 minutes every morning and then crack on with your day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, um, you, you, you make time. It's, it's once you try it for a few days and you start feeling the benefit, like, I mean, I, like I'm so fortunate. I take it for granted, man, like crazy. I mean, I literally wake up, I could go surf, but I also, I'm trying to like build a business and get work done. So surfing every morning is like kind of been a, an issue for me because it's so much fun but then I come back and it's like 8.30 in the morning and I just want to sleep because I'm fucking exhausted. But it was such a good workout. But anyway, like can walk over just the rice paddies across the street, watch the sunrise over these insanely beautiful rice paddies and like go sit at a cafe and just be out in the light. Like, and, and it's, it's like, I take it for granted. It isn't going to solve all your problems. Like if you do this, like I still have plenty of, you know, for anyone who's thinking about this, like, Oh, this is going to be amazing. Like it, it will be amazing. Um, but you know, you still have to get your mind straight, which is why I think I'm a huge fan of the meditation you're recommending to people. Cause I had been not doing any sort of meditation for a while and not realizing that all the constant chatter from trying to run a build, build a business, uh, building a brand, maybe you're kind of working on a book, basically, uh, all this stuff, it just, and, and not having a set nine to five schedule really can drive you crazy if you don't set really clear boundaries like this is when I'm working this is when I'm not whatever you still have to get all that stuff worked out 
but it just happens that when you go in the sun in the morning for anyone who's making excuses about like having to go to work, we build dopamine, which is our trend recognition chemical, which allows us to operate in the modern world and do anything that involves any sort of thinking. We make that from the sun. So like if you don't get at least an hour of sunlight in the morning, for just general just general exposure just even a basic hour-long walk you don't even have to take your clothes off and get it on your skin although if you do you're going to get a way bigger benefit um but even just an hour walk like if you don't do that you're basically functioning like not a normal human should be functioning let's just say that um i mean so I, I wouldn't quite go as far as saying a degenerate because you know there's probably lots of people who aren't like degenerates who have not been getting a lot of sun their whole life who are still slightly normally functioning people but i guess what i'm trying to say is that what what people today consider normal is not normal like normal is is way way above where we're functioning today so simple way to put it but but that's a great way to look at it if you don't have 30 minutes 10 minutes then what are you doing with the rest of your day that's more important than your brain working yeah. even half normal? I think it's <laughs> you say that, you know, where we are now is is so much you say like suboptimal compared to where we could be. But the yeah. and you look at, you know, everyone's looking at these trends of how human health has kind of deteriorated over the last couple of years. And you know, people look at it as certain foods being introduced and then it's, you know, pollution in the growth of all these industries and, and stuff like that and then i think the biggest one is the shift in in our remote exposure right which we've kind of covered but you know when as soon as that light bulb was invented it was like oh, okay cool now human physiology is going to have to do some serious adapting because we've just spent you know millions of years doing, doing something completely yeah. <laughs> big b <laughs> um yeah, it, it's really interesting. In fact, you know what's cool? I'm glad you mentioned that because it reminded me the most interesting and important dude to talk about <clears throat> besides Dr. Cruz and the guy Fritz Hall, which I mentioned earlier, who wrote that book about light through the eye, um, is a guy named Sachin Panda. This guy is like the future. You know Sachin Panda? Dude, like he is, he is the shit. He is, he is really the guy. And uh, the reason I'm familiar with him is because of Dr. Cruz, because he's going to do a talk in uh, London, actually, and basically is modeling it off of Sachin Panda's recent TED Talk. Basically, for those who don't know, Dr. Cruz, he said about five, six, no, no, almost 10 years ago when he was first sharing his information that when you eat is more important than what you eat based on the research about light, mitochondria, and circadian biology like we're talking about. Um, that we've kind of gotten into in many different angles, many different ways so far. But um, Dr. Cruz wasn't really believed because a lot of the papers and research weren't even published because he put the pieces together himself. The guy's really smart. Let's say he's a neurosurgeon. When you cut people's heads open every day, you have to be a little bit smarter than the average person. Um, but then in 2016, this dude, or three guys, actually won the Nobel Prize for their... Uh, explaining the, how the circadian mechanism works in the body via like research on fl fruit flies. So that was kind of a big deal. And then Sasha Panda, obviously all along the way, he's been doing this really cool research on the circadian rhythm, largely inspired by those Nobel prize winners. 
and he just gave a TED talk that I think the only homework I could give anyone from this episode to do, well, there'd be two homeworks. One homework would be set an alarm, wake up early and get up and watch the sunrise tomorrow um, after you hear this. And the biggest, the the hugest benefit of that is that it forces you to not go to sleep that late. Like it's dark now, we're finishing this podcast. I could like do something for the next hour or two, but I know if I just go to sleep right after we're done and keeping in mind, I mean, it's really early. It's only 722 in the evening right now, but as soon as we get off, me just kill an hour journaling, then I'm going to go to sleep because I'm going to get up really early and, and just kill it in whatever I'm doing tomorrow. Um, but basically sunrise and then watch this Ted talk. Not he's done three, the most recent December, 2018 Venice beach, Sachin Panda Ted talk. Basically, um, you, you know, this stuff, Luke, if you've already familiar with this work, but he basically goes through it so simple. Like we have these disease epidemic going on. It turns out that when our circadian rhythm is disrupted, these diseases get way worse and they, they really start to occur. Um, but when our circadian rhythm works well, these diseases really aren't a huge issue. So the biggest thing is that, that they did in this study was they would, they fed an animal. Um, did, you, did you ever watch that TED talk? By no, no, I haven't. So I'm going to be checking that maybe, out. Maybe seeing the work, uh, similar work, because he wrote a book called The Circadian Code, I think, which I actually haven't read yet, but he says a lot of the same study there. But basically, if they took an animal, like a rat, or I think rats or mice they were using, and they let it eat shitty, or no, no, uh, shitty food within a 10-hour window in the day. So that's one thing they did. Then they took uh, other, like the same animal, same environment, same conditions, and they let it eat good, healthy food for a, like a 15-hour window throughout the day. So a much wider eating window, but healthier food, or actually not even just 15 hours, but whenever they wanted. So the animals would even eat through the night. Um, the animals that were eating the, the bad food were healthier and didn't gain any weight, whereas the animals eating the healthy food, but across a wider window, so it was disrupting their sleep, gained weight. Like, I'm serious. 15-minute TED Talk, you're going to be like, what the fuck? It is insane. They did this with humans, too. They had people who, like, they basically just had a group of test subjects, and they took their eating habits, and they took their 15-hour eating window. Let's say you eat your first meal at, like, 8 a.m. or 9 9 a.m. or let's say 8 a.m. for people. Let's even say 7 because people wake up early to go to work. So you eat your breakfast at 7, and then – you don't stop eating until 10 at night. That's 15 hour eating window because you eat a big late night dinner, which is what most people do. Um, they took those people and cut them back, not even like eight or f- like eight, four or six hours or two hour eating windows like some people do when they're fasting, but just 10 hours is instead of 15 or unlimited. And all these people like either lost weight or had some huge benefit like reduced joint pain, improved sleep, just by not eating into the evening, you know, like forgetting about blue light blocking glasses, which is something we haven't talked about, but like basically the, yeah, that's the, the company I run that Luke mentioned in the beginning called raw optics. These glasses also have a huge benefit because you can exist in the normal world while blocking the light, the frequencies, the blue we talked about early, early on in the beginning of the episode that disrupt your basically melatonin level and your circadian clock. So the two best things you could do, watch the sunrise, wear blue blocking glasses at night, and also not be eating late in the evening because the food basically does the same thing as light through the eye. Mm. But so just by doing the study, these people 
had huge compliance afterwards, which is very rare with studies like these because they just felt so much better. Mm. So uh, it was pretty shocking. You'll yeah. explain it way better than I just did, but you'll be like, how is that possible? Basically, it, it was proof 100% that what Dr. Cruz was saying 10 years ago, pretty much, that when you eat is more important than what you eat. I actually almost didn't believe it until I saw these studies, realizing that you could eat junk food, but if you do it within eight hours, it's better than eating healthy food across the span of 15 hours. And that might sound so counterintuitive, but that just shows just how much more important is our sleep and engines and optimizing all that is. Because when you eat across this wide window, your body never gets in that full regeneration phase. So, yes, the is it comes back to the melatonin thing because that's something that I've looked into. Where well, melatonin, the, the whole circadian rhythms of our you know gastrointestinal secretions and our pancreatic secretions, like everything seems to get far less efficient later in the day. And like you look at insulin production, and you know melatonin has been shown to actually work on the pancreatic beta cells to actually kind of attenuate insulin production. So that's one of the reasons why it seems our ability to handle carbohydrates and sugars in the latter end of the day is so bad. And then you look at the research and they see that people having high amounts of sugar leading into sleep is one of the easiest nutritional strategies you can employ if you want to ruin your sleep quality. And um, I suppose it just comes back to protecting those circadian rhythms, like making sure that melatonin is kind of left to like work in the most optimal fashion possible which is pretty cool yeah 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 it's super cool like the way i look at a lot of this stuff today and i'm not like perfect by any means i've like no one really is but obviously um even i have a ton of improvement to make but basically like we're in a in a world where we're sort of like under fire like just the wi-fi that we're you know using right now for the last hour to talk is a huge detriment so like if we all lived like the rice paddy farmers here in Bali, where we're like barefoot in the water of the paddies in the sun all day long. I mean, they do cover their skin, which I, I don't know if that's cultural or what, but they're not getting the benefit of the vitamin D anymore. Um, or maybe a little bit, but not as much as they should. But like, even then they're still going to be way healthier than the average person just because they don't use as much artificial light. They're out in the sun, getting it on their eyes, even just the reflection off the ground and the water all day long um they wear these gigantic you know asian rice farmer hats and stuff it's so funny to see in person but uh it's like we don't live like that we live in this world that's constantly sucking out energy and basically destroying our engines so that's kind of what gets me thinking like okay the more of this stuff we can get right the better and this is why the light diet in my opinion is the greatest diet ever conceived of because trying to limit food is and and change your food is often very hard, often very emotional for people. I know for me, you know, I've done a full ketogenic run, like where I was just eating pure fat and meat and a little bit of vegetables for several months um, after I did get my health back in track. So I, I verified that I can definitely do ketosis and feel pretty decent on it and not have like carb cravings, which was pretty awesome. But then I came here and I'm in strong sun and I'm thinking, okay, well, from what I've learned, I can eat carbs, so I'm going to do it. But then I have this, there's a whole separate story we haven't talked about, which is deuterium and the, you know, deuterium depleted water. Are you familiar with, with deuterium very much? No. No. All right. Well, that's something we, we would maybe save for later, but I, I could do a brief explanation. But basically, 
there's a podcast episode Luke Story did with one of the main researchers on this molecule called deuterium, which is like a form of hydrogen, which is what we get when we eat food, basically, and we strip it off and use it in our mitochondria to make energy. But basically, all the foods that are bad for us, typically, like especially refined carbs, refined oils, all this stuff, they're just way higher in deuterium, and that's why they're so bad for us. Carbohydrates are higher than fats, and fats are the lowest because they've gone up the food chain, and animals refine out this deuterium stuff, basically, as we go up the food chain. So just these researchers just using deuterium-depleted water are able to reverse cancers, like, very rapidly. It's unbelievable. Uh, it turns out, like, cancer doesn't occur when the deuterium levels in the body are below a certain level. So it's fascinating separate discussion but um the point is that carbohydrates are higher in this so that's another reason people who do go full carnivore even if they don't touch the light or anything they often have insane benefits because they're eliminating all the deuterium from their diet as much as possible from their diet so um but anyhow it's it's really important that that people i guess what i'm saying is that people do the stuff that is very doable and focus on that and optimize it. Cause in the modern world, like every single thing you can do to, to improve is, is worth is, is probably worth doing. But at the same time, I, I should change that statement. It's everything that, that matters and actually has an impact is worth doing. But if you thought about like all the stuff that's out there to do for health, like, you know, everyone, there's meditation and there's yoga and there's, this and then there's exercise and then there's light now and there's water and all these things it's like can get really overwhelming but there's a few things that i learned from my experience that are like the things you do not mess with that like we should not that we have messed with that we should not have messed with and if we just get those things right then we're going to do really well so like i'll just list them um shortly so anyone who's watching this can basically get it because we've already explained a lot of them so it's what I call the light diet because um, Dr. Cruz spent all this time putting together all these researchers' work, um, but he's he's a, a basically a mad genius, let's say, uh, or like a mad yeah, basically a super genius. And his his angle isn't necessarily making this information as publicly consumable as possible. He just wants the people who get it to get it all the way so that they can go out and teach the world, you know. He's just the guy outlining it on his blog. If you printed all his blogs, it'd be a stack of papers like halfway to the ceiling. It's insane. But um, basically, so the key steps of the light diet that this guy, I'll save you, you know, you might spend, like I did, three years trying to read all of Jack's blogs and read all the books. And what you would get to is the same. So I'm not going to save someone from doing all the work, but I can tell you what, after now five years of doing all the stuff, what the steps are. Um, and it's very simple. So, and, and this is the light diet book sort of summary I'm, i just did a course that will actually be free so anyone who wants to to look at that and get all the steps and the basic science behind it the implementation um that can be that can be arranged so the video screens just changed i don't know if that matters um you guys but all right cool oh yeah never mind that i probably just touched something um because i've got like you in the middle luke and then us us three on the sides um so basically Step one is watching the sunrise every day and living outdoors throughout the day. So it's, it's basically sunlight in one step. 
very simple, but again, circadian anchoring, great word you use, by the way, the anchoring, it just sounds really nice, plus charging throughout the day. So that step could very well be two, but for the purposes of simplicity, I make it one. But so this means you get the sunrise and you're outdoors sunbathing throughout the day, uh, at least an hour, because that's when we make the vitamin D, that's when we charge up the, the water battery that really moves the needle that we're talking about. Um, and in the, in the videos, I get into explanation of like, the details you need to consider because it seems simple, but when you start considering, okay, if I'm white, I, I got to do a one. If I'm black, I have to do it in the way because black, if dark skin from the equator takes six times as long to make the same amount of vitamin D as a white person, literally. So between the most distinct skin types. So you may not like you need a serious disadvantage. Why do African-American men have like double the amount of heart disease or like a huge increase in the amount of heart disease as white American men, probably like not probably I'm certain based on the research that it's because of the fact that they don't, they can't get enough sun to drive their biology properly because of their skin type. If you live in North America and you have African skin, it's really impossible. So you're going to have heart disease or high blood pressure because the sun is our natural way of lowering our blood pressure because it causes our vessels to dilate. Um, so that the blood can flow freely, come up to the surface, absorb sun. It's, it's fascinating. So that's step one. Step two is eating seafood and drinking spring water because that's, that's the way we absorb the sun. So with seafood in our cell membranes, um, we can actually absorb sun through our skin and turn it from light into a DC electric current, which is electricity that is the way we use light in our body, more or less. Um, and then drinking clean spring water is critical because that's where we store the light. And if you drink tap water with fluoride, chloride, and all this other chemicals and stuff in it that they put in, then it, the water in the cells can't assimilate and store light as well as it should, as well as they should. So that's like key, not to mention that seafood's critical because it is what brought us from apes to humans as far as evolution goes, like the access to it. Basically, um, we use DHA, which is this omega-3 molecule found in seafood, which can never be replaced from a supplement form it will never have the same impact but we, we basically take that in and it builds up these things called myelin sheaths which are these fatty wraps around our nerves that allow electrical signals to move very efficiently and the better the myelin is the better things work like when a baby comes out the reason it can't really think and talk and do anything very well is because it, it isn't myelinated yet it has all this dha stored in its fat that it's going to use to myelinate its brain but the reason we do that, which is kind of interesting, is because the human brain, we have a different strategy. Like chimpanzees come out fully myelinated, but their brains don't get any bigger. So they're basically like the equivalent of a baby human for the rest of their life. Or, but, but actually, when they come out, they're more functional than a baby human. They can actually survive on their own. But a human, to allow for such massive brain capacity once it develops, it comes out undeveloped so that it can fit the gigantic head through the mom's vagina without killing her so that the mom can then go and actually stay alive to basically teach the baby and program its brain as it develops while it drinks her breast milk and takes DHA from her to build the myelin. So it's super cool. So the more seafood we eat, basically the better brain function and nerve function is across the board. And so like everything, like recovery, performance, everything improves. So we got sunrise and living outdoors in the day, even just getting sunrise and sun break in the middle of the day if you're an office worker, but more is better. Seafood and spring water, 
Um, and getting spring water is not that hard. Just go to the grocery store and buy bottles or get a delivery service. If you want to save plastic and get the big jugs, um, that's huge. So then three is avoiding man-made electromagnetic fields. Cause it turns out like we've talked about that the invisible ones like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all these things that everyone's using now to communicate the amount of research on that. I'm not even going to touch it because it's just too, too much to get into at this, at this point. But it's, it's very, very shocking. Like the guys who researched it in the 60s and 70s in the States basically got shut down by the Navy because they were using radar and they needed it for the Cold War. And the history is very, very dirty. If, if, if you look forward to the 90s with the telecommunications company and them getting sued for brain cancers and then funding studies and then the guy who they hired to run the studies came out and admitted that uh, his name is George Carlo. He came out and admitted that that they were doing a massive cover up of what was actually going on, and then he was completely discredited. His house was burned down. It was really, really like a messy situation. Yet yeah, George Carlo, people can look him up. The guy who who hired him was Tom Wheeler, head of the lobbying group. Got put by Obama in two thousand eight, basically fifteen years later, to actually run the regulatory commission and used his power to roll out five G technology in the states, and then as a result across the world, it's like. It's, it's insane what, what's going on. But so avoiding this stuff because it discharges our battery and screws up our mitochondria. And that's the invisible range of this stuff. Now avoiding other man-made electromagnetic radiation means avoiding artificial light. So just don't turn the lights on in your house during the day because you don't need them. Just use daylight. And then at night, try to use no light or red lights, candle lights, something that doesn't have the bright white, which means blue lights present. You like so do you What's like, that? You like salt lamps? Salt lamps are way better than any other general light. Yeah, so you could definitely do that. Salt lamps, candles, orange or red bulbs are fine. But like also having not having uh, fluorescent bulbs around is good because those flicker a lot. So that creates like a stress response. So that's step three. Step four, getting cold. So using cold exposure it literally can like basically reverse aging. If you get out of a cold tub, you know, for a half hour, you feel like amazing. I mean, at least for me, it's, it is the most rejuvenating, energizing experience ever. Highly recommend doing that um, as regularly as you can, like once a day, whether it's cold shower, getting in an ocean, a lake or anything, super amazing. Um, people who live by the ocean, by the coasts are typically like super heavily, often very attractive and fit. And I think a huge part of it is that they're getting in the ocean a lot um, and getting that benefit. So that's step four. Step five would be um, watching the sunset, living in darkness and sleeping a full night. So that's basically the night step. And that also includes not eating a couple hours before sunset or before dark, if you can. Like if you just cut off eating once it gets dark, that's a great start, but even a couple hours before is even better. Um, and then living in darkness, the equivalent is using only red or orange lights because that means they don't contain blue or candles. But then blue blocking glasses, if you want to function in the normal world, are like a requirement. And again, you can go on Amazon and buy like a cheap safety goggle pair to test it from a company called Uvex for like 10 bucks. Go try it. Um, but I made raw optics because they're like really high quality frames, lenses that actually do the right trick, scientifically tested, independently tested. Dr. Cruz is our chief scientific advisor. So you're getting the right thing that you need basically um, and guaranteed. And, you know, if you're not satisfied, like we'll return, you know, refund you and whatnot. But, but basically you can wear something that actually works and looks good. And we're just constantly improving our styles, 
we're working on a new site launch within the next month. Hopefully it all comes together. Um, so we'll have some new styles and new stuff as well. So just frame, frame styles and lens technology is functionally just about the same. So there's that. And then step six is the, is the step that ties it all together. Once you've got your sleep good, your morning, you're in, in the middle, um, you basically meditate or spend time for yourself to relax, chill out, read good books. Like it's kind of the all, I don't even have a really specific name for that step yet. Cause it's just like, make yourself a better person by focusing on yourself meditating, reading good books, spending time with good people. Um, self-improvement would probably be the best self-love. method. Self-love. Self-love is a great way to activity. So it seems, that might have seemed like a lot, but if someone just, you go through those things, it seems like crazy, but yeah. I wouldn't recommend someone try to work all these things into their life in one day. It takes time. But the key thing is if you only do one or two of those things, you're going to be way healthier because you're either going to be adding more charge to your battery or not discharging as much. Mm. But the cool thing is like, I just gave the steps, took me three, four years to confine all the stuff that Jack was talking about into these steps. So it may seem like a lot, but really it's, it's less than four years worth of, of trying to figure it out. So even if it took you four years to implement it all, it's still less figuring out. But I would recommend checking out the light diet course when it comes out. Um, it'll be on YouTube, so we'll, we'll, that'll be very easily accessible. It'll be publicized. You can just look up The Light Diet, and you'll find it right away. So um, We'll be plugging that. That's pretty good info. That's probably just about all we need to share. I mean, unless you have more questions. But... I had a couple of questions regarding the vitamin D. It's something Ryan, Ryan Carter and I were talking about the other day where we went to a seminar, and the guy was talking about vitamin D and how – you know, people supplement with vitamin D throughout, they've got used to doing it throughout times of the year where we can't synthesize it. Um, Cause obviously in the UK at the moment, I think we're, we're unable to do it to synthesize it from the sun because of the Zenith angle, but the, um, and, and it, and it, he kind of pointed out that actually it is a bit silly that people supplement with it because the liver is, has evolved to store it for the periods of the year where we don't have it. And when we supplement it, we can't, you know, we can't replicate the power of the sun. In the supplement form, exactly. so yeah, would you agree that at times of the year where you can't synthesize it, provided you get enough daylight exposure and sunlight exposure at times when you can, you're all right to to not worry about vitamin D supplement. Yeah, I wouldn't even use it either way. Even if you didn't get enough summer sun in the summer, I would just take a trip south for the for the intended benefit. Like go down to uh, for you guys. Even even the south of Spain, believe it or not, in the in the winter won't make vitamin D. Um, it's just above the line of yeah, where UVB drops out for at least a, a month or for a few weeks. But you you can go to like Tenerife or the Canaries or Cape Verde. That's like probably the easiest or Morocco. It's probably the easiest accessible point for Europeans to get vitamin D. But I mean, it that's only in like that's probably only in the depth of the winter, like December or January. But if you were like November or February, you could probably go to like uh, whatever's the towns in the south of Spain, Malaga or Gibraltar, I guess, for you guys. It's like part of the UK. So um, you could do that theoretically. But uh, I would not recommend taking it. One, people can look up, um, there's 
a woman named Nadine Artemis, who's like a health beauty expert, but she did a podcast with Luke Story, the LA uh, fashion stylist podcaster. And they really, she really can even better, let's say, simplify for someone who really wants it super simple, why sunlight isn't actually that bad for you. Um, but, you know, because we didn't really get into that too much, but, and why sunscreen and that whole situation is really just so backwards because sunscreen actually, basically the, the chemicals that, try to dissipate the UV light, end up like 20% of them, even in modern sunscreen, 20% still of those chemicals end up just turning into like highly inflammatory oxidized molecules that basically lead to ultimately cancer. So as a result of trying to dissipate the sun, so like 80% effective, 20% cancer causing when we put those creams that absorb into our skin. So like if I'm surfing in, in Bali at noon, I will put a little zinc oxide just across my nose, but that doesn't absorb into your skin. That's like why it's kind of good. That's why it looks kind of dumb, but at least it's better than having it absorbing and then causing all kinds of problems. You have to like wipe it off after you're done. But, um, but yeah, so I wouldn't know. I wouldn't use it. Basically though, what she says in that podcast with Luke's story, she explains how um, th there's a difference between fat soluble and water soluble vitamin D. And I think, pretty sure the one that we take in the pill is like fat soluble the one we make from the sun is water soluble and that's the only one we can actually utilize so taking it in the, in any form pretty much is is essentially worthless also it goes back to like melatonin like even just because you have the vitamin d molecule in coming in as a supplement the thing that, that people don't consider is that it's just a molecule it's just a bunch of uh, atoms and stuff together but it's not the same when it's been powered by the sun and when it hasn't. In other words, like all these molecules are sort of like messengers to do the sun's work in specific parts of your body. So the sun powers them and then they can go and do stuff because they can actually store energy in their chemical bonds and stuff um, and in their electrons and whatnot and information of sorts. And so if you're taking it from a supplement, it doesn't have that information and stuff. So it's not going to really have any benefit and it could actually be negative. So I wouldn't recommend taking that. Um, Jack recommends not taking anything exogenously that we're actually designed to make inside, which supplement people will disagree with, but that's, uh, but yeah. So anyway, get a ton of sun in the summer and, and you'll store it up. You don't even need a ton, but like a healthy amount, a couple hours a day, skin exposed, you're totally good. And then you'll be good for the winter. Now, if you like really unhealthy though, you have, you have problems. You don't have a lot of DHA from seafood in your skin. You have really bad uh, water in your cells. Um, things like this, you might not even, you might actually, or you're around too much electromagnetic radiation. So your cells are internally dehydrated. Again, people can read Jack's work to get a bit more detail on the, the deep science of this, but you actually might be in the sun, but you won't be able to synthesize vitamin D as well. So it isn't just like go in the sun, you start making vitamin D. It turns out that you could be like, and it's funny because like now I know all these people in this community who do this. Like there's people who literally spend like so much time in the sun. I'm actually one of them who still don't make vitamin D optimally because of having done things that aren't optimal for health. Like for me, hopping time zones every two or three months and completely readjusting is not optimal. And I know that and I'm taking like a risk right now to build a business, build a brand, check out places, try to find a spot I want to settle. But like, I should have a higher vitamin D level than I do for the amount of time I spend in the sun, which is like all the freaking time. Mm -hmm. So just cause you're getting some hours of sun doesn't mean you're going to make a lot of vitamin D, which is why it's like 
really important to consider getting some vacations in the winter. I mean, for every reason, it's good to get vacations in the winter for productivity, for your mind, for your life, for when you're 80 years old and you look back and you're like, shit, I never took a vacation. What the heck? Um, this is kind of like, that's the best answer I can give to your question. That's good. And then, and then the last question I have is when you mentioned the seafood being a source of DHA. Does Jack um, and do you, would you recommend consuming things like offal meat and bone marrow for the same reason that like bone marrow is one of the richest sources of like DHA for, and would you, um, there's stuff that you yeah. talk about with that? So I actually not familiar with bone marrow being high in DHA, but if it is, I, I mean, I would not be surprised at all if it is. So are you, is that like, is that yeah, the case? As far, that? as far as I've read, I mean, I may be wrong, but I've, I'm, uh, I'm not, I've, I think because I've been I've yeah. read stuff about one of the reasons behind human brain development was our consumption of seafood as well as our consumption of the like organ meats and bone marrow, which were kind yeah. of the things that we used to prioritize more in the when when eating was more of a ritual, and now it seems to be that we've lost that, which is quite interesting. yeah yeah. Yeah, I would definitely suggest if someone likes organ meat, eat the shit out of them because they're like the healthiest part of the animal. Like, it's cool. Uh, this is another thing about the deuterium story that we didn't really talk about, which we could do another episode on, or you can yeah, interview yeah. one. Yeah, the part actually, if you interview one of the deuterium researchers, it'd be even better. Like Dr. Laszlo Boros or Q Collins from UCLA. Uh, well, Boros is at UCLA, Q Collins is at a, a different center. But they're both the experts on this. And um, essentially, the, the organ meats are way lower in deuterium because they're higher in fat. And of course, they have a gajillion other nutrients. But what I would say is that think about like lions or wolves, they eat the organ meats, and they don't have big human brains. So the point is that the brain is is from the DHA, which is it, the amount of DHA in organ meats compared to uh, human or compared to seafood is, is in, uncomparable. Like it is like hundreds or dozens of times higher in seafood. So the point is that we really did build our brain almost certainly off of the marine seafood sources. Um, but I would still recommend eating bone marrow and all that stuff because of all the nutrients it has in it. I wouldn't recommend eating it for the DHA. I mean, it, it's a benefit that's added but if you want the, the DHA, seafood, omega-3 benefit of brain function, better nerves, basically better sunlight assimilation and everything across the board, then eat seafood. Um, and obviously, wild-caught's better than farmed, but I'll tell something that's, that's controversial, but um, when you have high redox potential, which means high mitochondrial function, high amount of charge in your water battery, um, which you can't really measure directly, but you can measure based on your overall health, energy levels and labs and stuff. Um, then you can actually get away with eating farm raised seafood. Ryan would not like me for, <laughs> he would, he would kill me for saying this. You can actually, you can get away with it and it, it's still a massive benefit rather than a detriment. And there's other people too. The guy who connected me with Ryan um, or is a mutual friend who runs the hyperbaric chambers in the UK or in London, he would, he would also kill me for saying this because he totally disagrees. But from my perspective, he doesn't get enough sunlight. So it would be a much bigger risk for him, mercury and all this stuff. Cause he's from the UK for me being in sun all the time. Can, can I eat tuna every single day here in Bali and just keep getting healthier and not be 
accumulating the mercury because I can get rid of it a lot better? I think so. But again, I'll be the one who finds the results of that experiment. So that's sort of the answer about your question. Definitely eat organ meat, eat liver, eat all that stuff if you like it. Um, even if you don't like it, it's probably good to get yourself to eat it. But if you eat a ton of seafood and get a ton of sun, you'll be super functional. And then it's just optimizing little pieces after that. So what are your, like, let's say top three seafoods, seafood recommendations? Yeah, like salmon is awesome. It's like one of the highest DHA fish and it just tastes amazing. Yeah. Um, so salmon, oysters are yeah. across the board the best as far as like mineral content. They have tons, high levels of zinc all the stuff that you would basically be getting from organ meats. Oysters are loaded with them. There's certain things that organ meats are going to have more of, of course, but oysters are amazing. And because the turns out that most likely the evidence shows that the human brain development didn't really occur as much with fish as it did with shellfish, because when we were apes, it was a lot easier to harvest um, shellfish really, really easy because they're just literally stuck in place. You know, you can just eat them without having to do any work. So that is probably the superior source. So oysters are great. And if you like mussels and clams, go for those too. But oysters, salmon's a great fish. And then I love shrimp because it's so versatile. You can literally do anything with shrimp and they're all great. Um, but other high, like think of fatty fish generally, like cod is lo- less fatty. It's still going to have more DHA than like meat. So it's still a benefit, but um, it's so much less high in dha compared to like mackerel trout sardines like the fish that smell because they're fatty those are the good ones um (laughs) so eat it up yeah and then it's pretty pretty solid lobster and crabs great too but lobster can get expensive but if you have money oh and the best is one of the best is fish roe caviar like if you could get that like I, I, you know, poke, Hawaiian poke, there was a place I would go and they like did it all by weight and you could just get caviar and add it on top of your bowl and it was still just by weight. And so like caviar itself is insanely expensive. So I just literally did like half the bowl of caviar for, and I, it was like, I mean, it would have normally cost like a hundred bucks for that much, but because they didn't really think about it, they didn't think some guy would value it for the health benefits like that. I just kind of took advantage of the, uh, Nice. the weights nice. so anyway yeah that was yeah. great that was, uh, that was awesome so i think we'll wrap it up so where, where can people uh where can people find you follow you and see, see yeah 100 so on instagram i'm at the light or just the light diet so basically the light diet three words um and i'm just kind of starting to put some content on that page but i'm probably just going to be focused on sharing like little day-to-day strategies and useful tips that i come about that throughout the implementation of this process um the best thing about following me there will be that i will definitely make announcements of when this light the light diet course comes out which will be like the first course and it'll be free for people to get uh this information then people can check out raw optics the company at currently we're at rawoptics.io is our current domain with our original site and we're going to be switching over soon um, I'm not sure if this podcast will be out by then or not. It doesn't matter because that, that .io will, will redirect automatically to our new site, which will be rawoptics.com. And that is R-A, like as in the sun god, raw, not raw, like 
raw food, so raw optics. And what that means, basically, the name is um, an analogy to natural light, the god of the sun, of natural light, also of health and medicine and everything. So raw optics just means natural light, the sun god's light. Optics is the study of light. So, um, yep, that's pretty much where you can go. I also have a personal website, mattmaruka.com, but I don't have much there. But it will have links to all the other kind of stuff for optics, the light diet course and whatnot. So mm. check it out. <laughs> That's what we got. Well, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on and, and hear yeah, your glad journey. Glad on. Yeah. The info. It's, I was super tired actually. Uh, Cause I just spent all day at, like this visa place and then getting some shoes. Cause I lost these, like these awesome sandals that I have. And I was like, shit, I don't know if I'm going to be able to like focus and think, but uh, sure enough, as soon as, as soon as we start talking, it's like, Oh, that's when you start doing the sunlight thing like yeah you'll still have you know energy fluctuations you're not just going to feel like amazing all the time but you have a bit more of such a strong reserve like when you need to kick it you can kick it um i don't exercise that much but i find that when i go out and surf now which is sort of the only exercise i really do i am just like absolutely on fire i just can paddle out and just just be like a beast just constantly getting smashed by waves just keep going it's just life-changing so yeah. anyway thank you guys for uh for having me on i'm super stoked about people learning more about this information it's the future so yeah, it's early absolutely. on it's a pleasure and uh we'll definitely be looking to get you back on at some point in the future i'm sure totally we can definitely yeah. chat about it once i put put the book out and then there's yeah. more uh the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah so, uh, so everyone Everyone who needs some blue blockers, get get your ass over to Raw Optics. Is that yeah, we'll, we can get you set up with uh, like a, a code, a discount code for you guys' show. Oh, that'll um, be that kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, that'll we'll do that. We'll just, we we yeah. already recommend them to all our clients. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, we should we should make it so that you guys are getting you know some kind of uh, benefit from that as well. Awesome. So we'll definitely get a discount code for clients. That's awesome. That's awesome. We appreciate all it. Right. Anyway, well, I, you guys in London, hopefully at the Biohacker Summit, if you yes, uh, yes, definitely. Me. I'm sure Ryan will will be insisting I join him there, so I'll, I'll be in. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Anyway, pleasure. Thank you, man. Well, take it easy, guys. All the best.